0: You're listening to everything college basketball podcast. Go
1: ECB! Go ECB!
2: Welcome to ECB, everything college basketball, cooking it up with Tyler, Josh, and Peyton! It's everything college basketball. I'm on to the madness. comes. Every the a crazy duck, in the conference, and how their teams match up. We're pulling your poles, taking your bows, letting the Burton brothers know. The players you're watching, the teachers you're not winning, who you see in the final four. With them shout out some weekly pickums, plus those crazy rants from Tyler Josh and Payton. It's ECB. Everything college basketball. Training three. Man, this podcast has it all. It's ECB. Everything college basketball, draining three, Man, this podcast has it all, yeah, another moment you've all been waiting for, your host from the corner three, it's Josh and Peyton Burton with Tyler Cool everything college basketball podcast.
3: to another edition of Everything College Basketball, episode 44. I'm, of course, Josh Burton. My name is Peyton Burton. Tyler Cook. And we are live. One one night, basically 12 hours or so, <laughs> removed from the annual alumni game that Tyler and I played in. Tyler, it felt weird being the old guys. When we spent all of our career pretty much being the young guys playing with the old guys. Now we are the old vets.
1: Ah, well, we played men's leagues with some of these kids' dads, so it was kind of a... A little shell shock seeing their, their kids out there on the floor. I remember them running around the sidelines watching us play in men's league. So, yeah, it was a different different change of pace.
3: Yeah, of course, we are brought to you by, as always, Applied Bright Painting Restoration. Hit them up for all your painting and uh, needs like that. But, yeah, the Peyton Alumni game, you had a different perspective. You were in the stands watching all of us. Uh, a lot of, like me and Tyler, when you were younger, watching play. And, obviously, as you've gotten older, played with, like a, a lot of guys even at your age, finally getting to play. What was your thoughts on it just being a spectator?
0: Well it's different because last year when they did this you guys were on the same team. This year you guys are on opposite teams. So it was a lot of fun. (laughs) I didn't know who to cheer for. They I booed you both. But it was a fun game. A lot of my friends who graduated last year played in it. A lot of them was in the E C B group as well. You had Bryce Burton, Bobby Simpson, Colton Henderson and Hunter Dean at the top of my head. And think, oh, Caleb Giles, we well. had yeah. all those guys playing, and it was a fun game. Uh Josh's team ended up coming back and
3: winning, though. Yeah, so. we were we were down early. We were down like fourteen to two, and they made 24. a run, Um allowed the young guys to get out and run the floor a little bit. And I just I played the trail roll. <laughs> I, I, I popped my my calf and warm ups, man. I'm getting too old without. uh You know, I said it on our the Facebook, my own personal Facebook. I said this game's unforgiving if you've out of it for any extended period of time. And just used to, Tyler, and you know this as well as I do, used to, we could go if we had to, we normally didn't, but we could go a month without playing and step on the floor and be able to run all day, no problem. Dude, I've been trying to warm up all week, shooting around and stuff, and in warm-ups, the first time I get the blood flowing a little bit, just somewhat competitive with the crowd, I pop my freaking calf. So I dealt with that the whole game. It's crazy getting older.
1: I ain't getting older, boys. I can go again right now. Line it up, <laughs> throw up the tip. I still got it at the tank, boys. Age is just a number. Um.
0: Yeah, shout out to Gators Bennett for starting the alumni game thread. thread. That was hilarious. That was hilarious. If I had minutes on my thumb, I was planning on doing that, but shout out to him for doing that. That was hilarious, and you had to people commenting. I
3: knew nothing that. about it. A Tyler, somebody said something about the game thread, and I thought it was a joke until for real at the end of the game, like, no, for real, we had a game thread going. Well, it, was,
1: it was after halftime. We went on the floor to start the second half, and I said, Josh, we got an alumni game thread. We got to step this shit
3: up. <laughs> Uh, of course, me and you picked each other out to guard each other and just kind of keep pace with each other. We let each other get a shot off here and there. Um, Tyler, it was funny. At one point, Tyler was going baseline, and I felt him going behind me. And, I, like I said, my calf was hurting. I wasn't about to chase him, so I just brished back and grabbed his jersey held on. He swatted my hand away. He's like, don't start that shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All fun and games. It was a good time. It was for the show. We had a. It was a canned food drive. They were going to have a donation to – a local charity. So it was for a good reason. They came out to support the local high school kids as well. So all in all, it was a very cool event to be a part of and be able to watch the high school kids coming up and see what they're going to look like coming into the season.
3: Yeah, it's super fun. Something that uh, I, I'd i like for a lot of the high school people around the, not just the state, but around the country. I think if your high school can do an alumni game, you get a chance to play Go do it. It's definitely fun. At least for one night, you get to relive somewhat of a glory time. Where For us, we got to put jerseys on again, play in front of a home crowd. Um, so it was a very cool, very fun deal. Um, I tell you what, this past week in college basketball was tumultuous in a way that we'll get into very soon. Obviously, uh, one crazy storyline happened at the beginning of the week that we'll definitely get into. But on the football side of things, I know last week we talked about LSU and all that. We're not going to get in a football rain again, but tough break for Tua Tagovailoa, the starting quarterback of Alabama. They're blowing out Mississippi State. For some reason, Saban keeps him in. I know it's a freak injury. You got it. He's already banged up. I don't know why you're keeping him in. I guess that's a discussion for another day. But devastating hip injury, hip. He's at least done for this year, but... If the kid keeps getting hurt, we had this discussion on the Facebook group. That's the reason I wanted to touch on it. The kid could be t- potentially cost millions of dollars. And it goes back to the paying the players and stuff. And we had the argument on the Facebook group where if this isn't a perfect reason to let these kids make some money while they can, then I don't know what the perfect case is. Um, you think about Tua; he was projected as high as a number one draft pick in this year's draft. Yeah. But now, if he's hurt and teams look at him as damaged goods, or if his career is over, yeah, he's got the insurance on him. He tuck out, but what's that going to do? Like you're, he's losing out millions of dollars. And when he could have been using his star power in college, he wouldn't have maybe made millions, but. A star player like that, especially if you're a star quarterback at a place like Alabama, you're going to have endorsements, you're going to have this. You could at least still been making some money, and it wouldn't have been as bad. It's. I think this is a perfect case to let these kids make money. And the case I use against some of the people that are still holding on the, the ancient relic ways of the past is if a kid brings in X number of dollars to the university, you can't deny that a star player brings in new ticket revenues, Uh, preseason sales go up, merchandise, et cetera, et cetera. So let's just say on a basis, just on a basis, that per year since he's been there, Tua Tagovailoa has generated $2 million in whatever, sales revenue for the University of Alabama. What would hurt if he just got $50,000 of that? The university still off of one player would pocket $1.95 million of
1: revenue of profit if you take away his money for the scholarship that you guys are saying is free as well, it's still over 1.5 million in revenue.
3: Yeah. And, and that scholarship's nice and we get it. It's free schooling, but it still doesn't justify the fact that it's a wrong way. That's just like that. Any mentality across it may, I use a bad analogy. I won't repeat it, but think of a, any sort of um, injustice across the world over the history of time. It's all because, like, like say a government, like a dictatorship. They're like, "Well, we give you free, uh, free education, as to make it right because, well, this is free, so that means we're allowed to make your life miserable where you can't afford housing or whatever, right?" It's kind of in a way the same analogy. Just, just because look
1: it, at Venezuela, and yes, there you go. <laughs>
3: yeah, just because you give somebody a free ride education doesn't automatically mean that it should all be fine and dandy. I also said, too, fellas, you can chime in on this. Why are athletes held to a different standard? Why is an athlete not allowed to have a part-time job because they put in a shit ton of hours between honing their craft in school, between honing their craft and their athletics, and then they won't allow them to have a part-time job? They get a, what do I think we figured out or when an athlete, D1 athlete has said back in the summer that they basically, they get a stipend of like $3,000 or whatever. It sounds nice until you start trying to go out. Why can't, you know, they, they can't get a part time job, so they can't, like, even do stuff that they're still college kids. They want to go out to a movie, they want to bring pizza in. But then you got to be careful because if somebody pays, and it's a you're paying a player. What if regular students were held to the same standard as an athlete's held to? What if you're your extremely talented and gifted student that's coming to say Purdue's known for engineering that they get an engineering scholarship because they're that good, an academic scholarship? What if now all of a sudden the kids who are on academic scholarship or kids who um, who are on like state grants come in, right? You have this money or if you take out a student loan, then all of a sudden the school's like, well, we cannot uh, police what you do now. Or, or if you make any sort of revenue, like I said, if you're a talented musician in college that just goes to college and somehow you make a hit song or hit record that's played on the radio across the world, what if... They were held to the standard of an athlete. Well, the school's like, well, you did that while you are in our school. Now we get to make the profit, and you don't get to make nothing off of it. No, why are athletes held to a different
1: standard? There shouldn't be. The point I made in the comment was that there's uh how do I word it? That whenever a kid that is not on an athletic or academic scholarship, they are put into a debt that is going with them until their grave. There is actual evidence of people getting their Social Security, uh, uh, some Social Security money taken away to pay the debt of a student loan. The interest rates on this stuff is insane. The most ancient way to do business now is buying a home, buying a car, and going to college. There is so many hands in the pockets. That's why everything costs so much. I just recently bought a house. There was 17 fucking people I had to pay. 17 people when all I should have paid was my realtor and the, the underwriter that did my loan. But no, they had to have their people do this. Their people do that. This come in, this come out. Car, when I mean, you buy a car, it's the same thing. You don't go in there, get the car you want, slide in the CF check out and then pay your loan. No, you have to pay your insurance uh, a, a thing. You have to pay the 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 commission of the of the person selling you the car, you have to pay taxes on this. You have to, and with college, it's the same thing. If you break down uh, a itemized thing for college, it is incredible how much money they are taking out of your pocket. You know, they talk about the meal plans for kids and stuff. That's insane too. They just rip money out of these kids' pockets. It's an eighteen-year-old kid. What is it? Your frontal cortex does not develop until you're twenty-five years old. Yeah. You are not a fully developed human. I'm not saying adult, not saying child. You're not a fully developed human until you are 25 years old. And and you're making kids make decisions at 18 years old for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, throw it in my pocket. And then they think they're going to get it. And then they end up paying 5, 6, 7, 8% on top of what they're paying back. They're paying interest until they're 47 years old.
3: And we're not even taking it to the fact that the majority of athletes come from um they're not the greatest backgrounds so they come from a background to use college to make a better living that's the whole point of college regardless of where you come from i hear this argument like well, these athletes just use the as a college as a springboard everybody uses college as a springboard if you're just nobody goes to college because they just want to go to college
1: life enhancement regardless
3: that's it whether you're an athlete whether you're a regular student you go to college to use it as a springboard to Further yourself in life to go for whatever job, whatever career you want to go to, to make money. That's all college is for, is to teach you and put you on the right path so what an athlete can leave early. Did Bill Gates ruin the collegiate system when he left school early to go found Microsoft? I don't hear anybody bitching about that. Same way with track and field. Same way with swimming and diving. Does anybody say anything when a swimmer or when a diver or a, a track star leaves college his freshman, sophomore year, her his or her sophomore year, or whatever, to go pursue the Olympics? No. So why is basketball and football specifically the only the only problem when they generate millions of dollars for the university and even just take away take away athletes, the university still making money through? tuition, through student or, uh, through state grants, through federal grants, everything. So why should I feel sorry for a university that might have to pay out an athlete what they're rightfully owed? It's your own likeness. They're putting the work in. The school's benefiting off of it. When you bring in this talent like a superstar, like a Tua viola or name somebody else a superstar in any other athletic field in college, they are profiting off of it. They know it. Everybody knows it. So why can't an athlete make just $1 would make if you just gave them $1 per every piece of freaking merchandise per every ticket sale for a year. And I know it's got to be you want to be fair do it for all athletes whatever $1 makes a huge difference because of many thousands that sold every year dude.
1: There's a hundred thousand, was it was there like seventy thousand seats at Texas Stadium or something like that? Over a hundred thousand seats. Like that. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean if they average what fifty bucks a ticket across the board, take fifty times a hundred thousand, that's five hundred thousand, you know, then it's it's incredible.
3: Think about it's this incredible. last week LSU went to Alabama, Alabama. Whole or put in one hundred one thousand people for that game. One hundred one thousand people. How many freaking thirteen jerseys did you see? And you can say, well, because it's generic, it doesn't have the name. Everybody knows it's for Tua Tagovailoa. When the next star quarterback comes in, that's a superstar, and his numbers say number four or number twenty. How many number fours or number twenty jerseys are going to be there? You can. That's how they get away with it because there's not the name, so you can't prove. Bullshit. Sorry for language. Bullshit. Pay the freaking athletes what they deserve. It's the same thing last year for basketball with Zion.
0: You had Zion getting that uh, ankle injury, that freak ankle injury. And he was a star player. Obviously, he's going to be the number one pick, and he was the number one pick. But if he would have gotten injured, and say his say it's not as high as uh, Tua's injury, and say his career could have been over, or his college career could have been over, then he wouldn't be able to get paid anything. And I just pulled up something on my laptop here. I just recently watched uh, Coach Perry's one and – one and not done, uh, 30 for 30. And when he was coaching at Memphis, he had a star player named DeWan Wagner, who only stayed a year. He played for the 2001 season and 2002 season. And he was going to be a top 10 draft pick. Actually, he was a sixth draft pick to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And he was going to come back for his sophomore year. But Coach Cal Perry literally ripped his scholarship and said, you're ending him in the draft because you – it says here, what was that? His coach, John Perry revoked Wagner's scholarship in his freshman year to force him to enter the NBA because Cal Perry believed that Wagner should not avoid the money he would receive on the first-round draft pick. If he
3: would have stayed his his career got over because he of had a lot of issues. He had a good rookie year and <clears throat> a sophomore year. They had that injury where they it ended up finding out like it was like a hip or some kind of same. It was something too. health-wise. And if he would have stayed, I get what you're saying yes. too, and they've talked about it. Had he stayed in college like a lot of college coaches would have wanted you to or the NCAA would prefer you to. Then he gets injured in college. He never has a chance to make lottery. life-changing money we've talked about. Lottery
1: money. Yeah, lottery, lottery money.
3: money. And today he's still kind of reaping the rewards off of that because he saved wisely. Point being, I said I wasn't going to get a rant. I got passionate about it. I know Tyler's passionate about it. We're not saying for, – for all you guys that are saying, well, don't, don't do it. It's going to ruin the integrity of college sports. We're not saying pay them millions of dollars. We're not even saying pay them hundreds of thousands of dollars. We're saying, why can't you pay them something? It's their name, their likeness, their hard work. You can't tell me the school's not making money regardless, and you can't tell me the school's not benefiting from X player being there. So give X player who deserves it a little bit of the cut. A little bit will go a long way in this case.
1: There's, there's one more thing I want to make, and it's about the people saying that kids are, are lazy or whatever. At this stage right now, with all the science and everything going on and all the mechanics that these kids go through, they are putting their bodies through hell to get in the position they are. You guys that are saying this now, if you were at their age and their position, you couldn't hold their jock strap as far as the physicality they put themselves through. You couldn't hold my jock strap for the stuff I put my body through during a weekly basis, and it don't even touch what they do. So if you if you want my weekly regiment, Try it out because if you can't touch mine, you sure as hell can't touch theirs because that, they are athletes. I consider myself an athlete as, as well with my martial arts, but I cannot keep up with these young men. Even if I was 18 years old, I couldn't hold their jock strap. So this this uh, defense of saying, well, they're just titled and lazy and they want the free money, they want the money, but they are working their ass off. You only see them for 40 minutes a game each on each Saturday or Sunday, depending on what sport it is or what during the week. But you don't see the orchids came in since they were you know, five, six years old.
3: Yeah, let's just say on average, too, between practice and a lot of them do individual work. You hear stories of like basketball players that get keys to the gym, the practice courts where they go in at sometimes middle of the week from midnight to three in the morning, whatever, and do all this. Or the flight times between travel games or bus rides. Let's just say focused on their athletics per week, they spend 50, 60 hours. And then on top of schoolwork, whether you want to believe it or not, the um, the majority of pe- the athletes in school do do schoolwork and stuff, right? Um, you've seen a couple weeks ago, Kentucky plays Michigan State, Madison Square Garden, Tyrese Maxey has a hell of a game. They don't get back into Lexington or in the University of Kentucky campus until like 4 in the morning. There's a picture of him up and at it at, for his 9 a.m. class. Yeah, I see he that. only gets a couple hours of sleep. That's all, virtually all athletes from D1 down to D3 and NAIA. So I don't want to hear pay the kids what they deserve. With that being, go ahead. ahead.
0: And the final thing I'm going to say about this, I don't know if it will put it into it, but if you give college athletes some money, I feel like it would stop college athletes or top college uh, recruits going overseas. You won't see as a five-star college collar like RJ Hampton going overseas or anything like that. And that's what I think. But, yeah, I, I agree. You need to at least give college athletes some money to live off of.
3: Yeah, for sure. So, with that being said, passionate rant aside, you might hear another one in this next segment. Who knows? But with that being said, you are listening to episode – first of all, hold on. Come I your can't, fucking break, I, I, I can't – yeah, yeah, yeah. One yeah, more yeah. piece of business. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, my bad. Jumping the gun. We did that. First of all, Peyton, a little love to our friends. Conrad Cushman, My bad, Conrad. He's the host
0: of the Everything Pro Wrestling podcast. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. You can find his podcast on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast and sites. He also has a YouTube channel, so go to youtube.com and in the search by typing Everything Pro Wrestling. Hit that subscribe button.
1: Now we're done. No, we're not. Shit. We have a first... Uh, offense here in the ECB uh, podcast land. Josh and Peyton broke a bylaw 3476 of uh, ECB uh, rule book. so usually when there's one infraction person, the other two come together with punishment. But there were two infraction people, and it was Josh and Peyton. So, to get themselves off of their probation here, I have wrote them a true statement they told me before, but didn't want to say it on air, so they're going to have to say it on air to to revoke themselves from probation with ECB. Oh
3: my God! Okay, NCA. I'll, go, I'll go with my first. This Ooh. was a prepared statement that was handed to me. So here's my this is literally swear to God, first time I've seen this. So let me see what my punishment is. <sighs> <laughs> this is very true. Um, we'll get in this next segment. The purple aces of Evansville deserve a purple heart for that performance against the UK. That's very true. I have no problem saying that they uh, they deserve a lot more than a purple heart. We will get into that in the next segment.
0: I'm terrified to see what Flip it over, motherfucker. It Flip it over. Oh god, yeah. it says. Oh,
1: uh, it says
3: right
0: nothing.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, um, the stripping thing in Louisville has what? Strip? Oh, strip My passion for the cards. With that said, go Jayhawks.
1: Really? Yeah, really? it's happened. Really? These are these that? are true statements they said they'd never say on air. I've never said but that. But it has happened. Now, you guys are free and clear of your uh, violations. I'm glad that we cooperated together to come to a common ground here. Everything is good in the home front here.
3: So, with that said, we are finally <laughs> on probation. You're listening to episode 44 of this wild and crazy Everything College Basketball start. When we come back, we're reviewing some of the games that happened throughout this week. There were some good ones, some crazy ones, and some in between. We'll let you know about it here in just a minute.
2: What's happening, College Hoops fans? It is Conrad Cushman from the Everything Pro Wrestling podcast, and I'm here to tell you how you can follow Everything Pro Wrestling. First, go to your Facebook. Type in the search bar, Everything Pro Wrestling. Look for our official page with over 1,000 likes, and make sure you give it a like. Also, we have a closed group with over 200 members in it where you can join discussions and talk about anything and everything pro wrestling. We also have a Twitter handle, and that is at EPWShow. And we have a podcast, and the podcast is available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And remember, everything pro wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. Now let's get back to talking some college hoops.
3: So, stop me if you've heard this, we're two weeks in and number one goes down. This is the first time I can remember in a long time at least that two weeks we've had two different number ones and both of them loses in their first game being number one. Obviously, start the year off Michigan State was number one, Kentucky beats them, Kentucky slides to the number one slot and their first game is number one in Rupp Arena on Tuesday night. The unthinkable happened. The Cats coming into Tuesday night were 39-0 and all-time at home against an unranked opponent as the number one team in the land. They are now 39-1 and as the Evansville Purple Aces come into Rupp Arena, basically dominate from start to finish to pull off the massive up set. Their first win in school history against the number one team, I think if I remember right too, the first win against a top ten team regardless. The Evansville Purple Aces, led by former Kentucky legend, national champion from 1996, Walter McCarthy, the Evansville native himself, back home at Evansville. Year number two, they pulled a massive upset. Let's start right there. I know it's my boys, and I know it's an embarrassing loss, if you want to call it that. I don't want to take anything away from Evansville, but I guess it would be an embarrassing loss. Um, Start to finish, though, let's go right into it. When I say Evansville dominated, they only they won 67-64. So scoreline, it wasn't that way. But from the time that the game started, Kentucky led only five minutes of the game, almost six. If that tells you anything, Evansville controlled the tempo, controlled the pace, shot threes at a high clip early on, spread Kentucky out. The five, the five-out motion hurt Kentucky. Um, and shout out to Tim Foster. We talked to him. He he. Put it up perfectly. Evansville laid the blueprint for a team like Auburn, who does the exact same thing, to smash Kentucky later on in the year should it get to that point. Five out hurt him. It brought um, As good as he's been early, Nate Sestino was exposed because it brought him out having to guard somebody a little bit smaller and quicker on the wing, and he got blowed by a bunch of times. Same with Nick Richards, same with Keon Brooks. Uh, Evansville did a lot of stuff that you would see Villanova run, a lot of dribble handoff replace. Turn the corner downhill. If nobody stops, you get to the rim. If somebody stops, you look for a three uh, opposite corner. Evansville just took it to Kentucky. That five-out motion really put Kentucky in a bad spot defensively. They weren't engaged. They weren't connected. Even with um, you would get a half. You like So Nate got pulled out. Say uh, a kid like Sam Cunliffe. we'll get into crosses him up. Gets a half-step by him. There's no rotation to the help side. They stick to their men. Wide open lane. Evansville shot well. Kentucky finally, in the second half, I say finally, because they were down 10-11 at some points, finally storms back to take the lead, and I'm kind of like, okay, here we go. Evansville, balls the steel, comes back the next possession, busts the three, goes back up one. Kentucky never gets the lead back. They tied it up another time or two. Never got the lead back. All credit to Evansville. I do not want this loss anything. We'll get into how bad Kentucky was and how embarrassing this was, and I'll let everybody else speak on it. But I do want to say, and it must be said, all credit to Evansville. They outplayed the Cats from start to finish, and they perked my eyes up coming into this game. I actually told Peyton, yeah. their first game of the year they play Ball State. I expected Ball State to compete for the Mac. And when I looked at the scoreline last week and coming into the game, and Evansville was putting it on Ball State, I told Peyton, I said, that's interesting. Like I didn't think much of it, but I was like, it's very interesting. They come in, put it on Kentucky. They follow that up, blow out IU Kokomo. They're now 3-0 after this. Um, Evansville, quick on stats on them real quick. They are now up to 132 in Ken Palm. Like I said, it's their first win versus the number one overall. Ken Palm now has them predicted to go at 18-11 and 11 overall, 10-8 and eight in the Missouri Valley Conference. After that showing and watching them against Ball State and watching them against Kentucky, I think Evansville can get 20 wins. I think Evansville could definitely compete for the Missouri Valley and maybe still a tournament bid. But on to this game, though. Focus on Evansville first before we lambast <laughs> Kentucky. Peyton, what did you see from this game? What's your takeaways? all that? From watching
0: this game... Till the final buzzer, I did not think Evansville was actually going to pull this off. But hats off to them because last year, they was ele- they won 11 games last year. And they just came into Wapalina to, to defeat the number one Kentucky Wildcats. What did you say? 39-0 is Kentucky. A- versus one?
3: non-ranked opponents uh, at yeah. home as a number one, one team. Yeah. I know it's a mouthful, but it was a, it was a stat that was thrown out. It's so, worthy. Yes.
0: <laughs> what a turnaround from them from going for 11 wins to knocking off the number one team in the nation on their home court. But for Evansville, it was really a two-man show. K.J. Riley led them in scoring with 18 points. He also had four boards. He shot perfectly from free throw line, eight for eight, and hit four from eight from the field. He hit two three-pointers. of his two attempts. And Sam Cunliffe, who came off the bench, played 29 minutes. He had 17 points. He had six turnovers, though, but it's okay. He also had six boards. And first half, he had 15 points. He shot six from 13 from the field, two from seven for the three-point line.
3: Kentucky couldn't guard him. <clears throat> yeah. Could he, not guard him. He
0: had 15 points in the first half. Kentucky, nobody could guard him. And his final two points, he had two clutch free throws to make the score go up to 67-64. Speaking
3: of which, Evansville goes 12-13 of from the line in Rupp Arena. That's a good way to pull off an upset right there. Nine of 30 from three-point line. I know it's a lot of attempts, but your team like that, that's their style. They have to play. It. Auburn, again, it's a perfect comparison. That's still 30%. Nine of them. There you go.
0: And they shot 30% from three-point line, 9 for 30, 38.3% from the field, 23 for uh, and 26, uh, 60 attempts. And for Kentucky, it was really a two-man show for them as well. Uh, Emmanuel Quickly, he played pretty well. He had 16 points. He had all of his free throws, 5 for 5. He's the
3: only one, I would say, played halfway decent. He played really hard. And I know the next person you're going to say, but I'm not even going to give him credit for that.
0: And how about this? 16 points for Quickly, 9 rebounds for Emmanuel Quick. This is why he was my most underrated player for Kentucky when we did the SEC predictions. Um, and Tyrese Maxey, he came off the bench, didn't have his second game. He had 15 points um, coming off that 26-point game against Michigan State. Uh, he shot one from four from the three-point line. He took a bad shot. He uh, could have tied the game up, but he took a bad shot. Just pulled up. Could have got a couple more inches, but he just took a bad shot. Freshman move. I mean, he had 15 points, but Ashton Higgins, he only had three points one from eight from the field, 0 from three for three point line. He, in my opinion, did not play well offensively or even defensively.
3: Yeah, so. Tyler, I'll let you go. Take, take your thoughts on this.
1: A win like this for a team like Evansville is all the motivation they will need for the rest of the year. They're getting beat by five points with three minutes to go. Call timeout. You beat Kentucky. What do you think you can do here? They're getting beat at halftime. They're they're down 15. They need to come back. You beat Kentucky. You can beat these guys. A win like this for a team this small, and a, small, a smaller market that they are, is way more monumental than it is for Kentucky beating MSU when they were number one. It's a good resume builder. It shows that you can compete with the rest of the country, but you're supposed to be in that position. Evansville had no, no reason to be within 10 points of these, these guys, let alone come away with the victory. It, it all boils down to heart, determination, and game planning. If they didn't have this coach, I don't think they would have been anywhere near Kentucky. When you got a former legend in himself of the Kentucky Wildcats coming in, Hyping these kids up saying, I've been here. I've done it. I've won national championship. Follow my lead and we'll uh, we'll go to the promised land here with uh, beating Kentucky. And whatever he said, whatever he did, it worked. The game plan, the game plan planned out well. Kentucky, the only thing I wrote down on this, it was Kentucky shit a brick. You, you overlook a team like this and you just lay an egg. And it happens. You may lay, lay an egg against a, a smaller conference team like Missouri, but sometimes, every once in a while, it's a team like Evansville. So, like I said, this is a, a monumental victory. They predict them for 18-11. This, this is going to push that up to around a 23-win mark, in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Evansville just just did everything they could. And K- Kentucky played okay offensively. But when you when you got the confidence rolling on the other end, sometimes that's all you need. Quick side note. Former Kansas player was on this team, just so you know. Former Kansas player.
3: Well, that was a Sam Cunliffe dude. Yes. Um, he played for Kansas and Arizona State. Bill Self actually texted him after the game oh, yeah. and congratulated him. Um, I'm really happy for Walter McCarthy. I uh, was obviously a big fan when Wonder. he played at Kentucky. Um, Boston Celtics legend. People still love him. Walter back in Boston. But very happy. He out-coached Coach Cal. Coach Kyle obviously said as much. I'm tired. We talked about this rant last year when I went on the rant after Seton Hall. Not going to do it again. I love Coach Cal, but I'm tired of hearing him always go, like, oh, this is on me, I got up. coach, da-da-da. Make adjustments. Go his What? Why Why hold on to your pride to play man-to-man when we can't guard him? Go a zone. Maybe slow him down. Give him a different look, whatever. Because, again, some things like effort did not look there except for Emmanuel quickly. And Keon Brooks played hard. He just couldn't buy a bucket. He cannot hit a jump shot right now. Um, we still missed too many freaking shots around the rim. We probably missed another 12 to 15 around the rim that game. Uh, and we didn't get out rebounded, but they had more offensive rebounds than us, and that should never happen. The last, we get a stop late in the game. We're down a point, a stop late in the game, and give up two offensive rebounds. KJ Riley goes up over Nick Richards, over Nate Cecina, and over, I think, maybe even Higgins. Can't happen. Un or inexcusable, just the effort wasn't there. Um, and Evansville put pressure on us. We weren't responding. Our offense, our defense is there. Our defense, we still, 67 points isn't terrible. I know giving up a bunch, I know it's easy to say, well, you lost man transition, da-da-da. Defense is still there for the most part. The offense has got a long ways to go. We need to find a go-to scorer. We need to find somebody who can throw it in the block, who can go get you a bucket when you really need one. We had one last year in P.J. Washington. Anytime we needed a bucket or steady the waters, give it to P.J. He goes down low and bangs. You need a jump shot or somebody to come up clutch, Tyler Hero is your man. We need to figure out who that guy is. Tyrese Maxey had that one really good game against Michigan State. Played so-so against Eastern Kentucky. I know he had 15 against Evansville, but he didn't play good at all. I don't want that to be like skewing your point there. Nobody really played good, I thought, except for Emmanuel Quickly, Kentucky's got to figure it out on offensive end. Got to run something more. We don't have that shooter like here where you can run the floppy action, baseline double screens. You got to run some more stuff. Got to run action on offense. Kentucky's good. The good news is it sucks, right? If you're a Kentucky fan, we heard all about it. It sucks, but it's only game three. Plenty of season left. We could look back. Kentucky could win a title and we look back and just kind of laugh about this performance later on. Rather it happen now than later on, definitely not a good thing. But all credit to Evansville, very happy for Walter McCarty. And I look for Evansville. This I'm praying for him now because you beat us like that. I hope you go ahead and have a hell of a year. Um, they definitely look like a team that has talent with that spacing, with everything. They get another challenge. They actually get SMU coming in home, I think, this upcoming Tuesday. Ken Palm has them predicted to lose the game by one or two points, but... I do like Evansville in that game to go 4-0, and we'll see what happens in the Missouri Valley. couple questions for you. One for Kentucky, well, both of for
0: Kentucky. One, do you think you miss a guy like Dante Allen to come off the bench and knock down Bruce? Do you think you were missing a guy like Well, Andy? we obviously
3: need somebody to score, so yeah.
0: Yeah, and my second question, obviously heading out from that Michigan State game, where you basically dominated the whole game, the number one team in the nation who just made a final four last year. So you're on like a super high right now and then you lose to Evansville at home. What do you what's your opinion on this team right now? I know it's only three games, you like you say, you can lose this game and go on to be a national championship contender. I, I
3: think I think my opinion is as simple as this. It shows when we're on, we can win a title. Yes. And when we're not fully hundred percent connected, if we're only eighty percent, seventy percent or below, then we can lose anybody. And that's just as easy as I can put it through three games.
0: And the thing is, we got three games. Anybody, I think it's going to be a common theme this season. Anybody can lose on any given day. Tyler, number won.
3: one is not safe this year.
0: Hell
1: no. Number one Did is you, not safe. See why I didn't want to put Kansas number <laughs> yeah, one preseason poll? Sure. Here it is everything is just proof in the pudding for me, boys. From after this,
3: number one is not safe. But moving on, Hopefully we had other... Duke
1: gets it next so and get fucking smacked. <laughs> yeah.
3: Moving on, we had other games though this week that had consequences. Even actually last Sunday, we got we talked about it, previewed a little bit last Sunday night. Big one: Illinois goes down to Arizona. I stayed up late to watch this game. Illinois Arizona goes back and forth through the first half. Illinois, Ayo Don goes 15 minutes or more without really scoring a point. at the end of the first half, goes on like an 8-0 run by himself. He is unbelievable getting to the rim. He is definitely an NBA player. But Arizona cranked up the pressure in the second half, forced Arizona, or Illinois into some turnovers. Nico and we kind of railed him a little bit, but he played like you would expect him to play. Josh Green was consistent. But Zeke Naji. From Arizona, absolutely killing it down low. Chase Jeter, or Chase Jeter, I mean, the former Duke man that's been in Arizona for a couple years now, played well. The former Kentucky guy, Jamar Baker, hit some shots, steadied the water, ran the point a little bit. Max Hazard had been struggling. Second half, he came alive. This Arizona team looked like the preseason Arizona team we thought they would be. And they end up putting it on. Uh,
1: what the hell? I don't
3: know. They end up putting it on Illinois in the second half and pulling away for a big win at home. I think Illinois is fine. But Arizona, that's a team to be reckoned with right there.
1: Thank you, Nico Manning. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Thank you for showing up.
0: I thought this game was going to be way closer than that. Hell, I almost banked on Illinois winning. And I did. It sucks. Yeah, you, got you did. <laughs> I almost did it, and they got destroyed. Tough loss. Uh, Arizona's legit this year. That Pac-12 is going to be foot-heavy between Colorado, Arizona, Washington, and um, Oregon. It's going to be pretty good. Top-heavy, definitely. But good yeah. win for Arizona.
3: Zona, Zona yeah. Uh, second half. It was good first half. I mean, literally teams go back for forth, trading buckets. Second half. Nico Manum was fantastic this game. Could not stay in front of him. The decision-making, the vision. He's right there with Cole Anthony again as far as most Explosive. Freshman point guards in America. Yeah. Fun, super fun to watch.
1: Thank you for taking my tweet into consideration.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Other games that came out throughout this week we need to talk about. We talk about uh, in Portland, Oregon for the Phil Knight Classic. You got number 14, Oregon. 13,
1: Memphis. Beating
3: number 13, Memphis. (laughs) Memphis. I couldn't remember the ranking, so I had to take a peek. Oregon. Four, number 14, Oregon, 82. Number 13, Memphis, 73. Peyton, what, what was your initial thoughts on this one?
0: This game aired right after the Evansville upset against Kentucky. Um, I was very excited for this game. James Weissman, he did play in this game. But late in the game, Peyton Pritchard took over. He hit, he hit some big shots late. But all around, he actually had a supporting cast. He had three other teammates scoring to double digits with Shakur Joosten, who led the Ducks in scoring with 17 points, also had 10 rebounds as well. And for Memphis, James, White, James Wiseman, he did play this game, but he got in foul trouble very, very early and had to sit out a while. And didn't score much, but in the second half, he got going with a couple of pitback dunks that really helped him. He ended the night with I think 14 points with 12 boards. But my takeaway of this game, Oregon looked really good, and when they get finally Dante on this team, hopefully soon, they will be scary good for the rest of the year. You guys, Peyton Pritchard, who's a great point guard, one of the top five best point guards in the nation, and if you get a big man like that, and finally Dante, oof, they could be dangerous. Great win for them. Every
3: time Memphis would make a run, Tyler, in that second half, Pritchard would hit some kind of step back three or get to the rim and finish with a lob or just steady, We can't rattle the kid, uh, and he's a big time shooter. Oregon, I'm with you, Oregon, uh, as long as they continue to get help for Pritchard, if Joostin's playing well or a guy like uh, Richardson whoever, Oregon's Oregon's really good. On the Memphis side, Wiseman got foul trouble early. You said the putbacks had a nice little uh, little 15-foot jump shot. But how about Lester Quinone's keeping Memphis in it? He's got the shortest shorts in America, but one of the best jump shots in America too. That's
1: ugly. Goddamn shorts are trash. Well, he was the only one shooting worth of shit because Memphis as a team shot 17.4% from behind the three-point arc. That's not going to cut it, boys. That, that is the reason why you lost the game, in my opinion, because you're bad shooting and your inefficiency to finish uh, the game out whenever that, the last four minutes, I think, whenever it was crunch time. Yep. You, you won the rebounds. You out-rebounded Oregon, and you had less turnovers in Oregon. But experience beat talent. That's what I said on Sunday that what Oregon was going to do, that they were going to win. They ended up pulling us away. I can't remember if you guys selected Oregon or not. But I just just in my eyes, I thought Oregon was going to do it, and they, they proved me right. Memphis, they just just shooting the ball at this game, just watching it from from a sickly chair position. They, uh, they just didn't shoot the ball well. With old boy getting his foul trouble as well, that was horrible. But it don't matter because he's gone. He's gone.
3: Yeah, we'll talk about that here in the news part. But um, the thing I think Memphis is going to have to rely on a lot is because they are big and athletic – And they did pound the glass in Oregon offensively. Uh, I think, too, if they're going to shoot that bad, they're going to have to throw bodies at the offensive glass and get second, third opportunities. I like the Quinones kid. I think he's a good shooter. I do expect Precious Achua to get more in the flow. Boogie Ellis didn't play that well after having that big game, the game before where he went from 22, 6-3, something like that. Damian Ball. So I think there's a lot of pieces in Memphis that's still figuring out. They have, what, seven freshmen that plays? Yeah. I think they have, I think they said in the game, nine freshmen overall, new players, and like two sophomores and one senior. Very young team that's going to continue to get better is a good test for them. And it's not like they got blown out. Oregon would separate, but Memphis would close the gap every time. They just couldn't get over the hump in the second half. Oregon, though, Peyton Pritchard at the helm, as long as he stays healthy, Oregon's going to be like towards the top of the rankings all year long, I think.
0: Yeah, they definitely will. And Memphis, they're bigs. Otrua and Wiseman have to stay on foul trouble. Even though they got incredible freshmen coming in. I mean, I mentioned that Wiseman had three fouls. here I think all those was in the first half. And plus Otrua, he had four himself. So those two big men, they're very good, but they have to stay on foul trouble if Memphis wants to do well this year for the rest of the year.
3: Yeah. Uh, and Memphis pressed the whole game. They did, that's right. They pressed the whole game. It's not often anymore we see teams press the whole game when you're a big time like D1 power, but they press, so if that's their identity going forward, again, they want to speed the tempo up. It could be very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting if, if they finally start getting the traps working.
1: If they find their footing in that, they are going to be damaging. They if if they can force these teams and they can get their rotations right on the 2-2-1 two, two, or however they feel like playing it, if they get that rolling the way they should, that's going to make Memphis without Wiseman It's going to be phenomenal because you can get smaller guys out there and you can just run. And Uh I
3: think it's smart with having all these freshmen. They're used to AAU ball. They're all super athletic, long. They're a very long team, wingspan-wise. So if you don't want them – if you're worried about them in the defensive half court right now, missing their assignments, or you're worried about them in offense forgetting, like, how to play on their sets – The best way is just let them get out and run and play free and loose and fast. You won't have to worry about your shooting percentage, you just get to lay up off turnovers. Mm -hmm. I think it's a smart idea for a penny and company. I really do. You can tell it worked because Oregon had 18
0: turnovers and Peyton Pitcher had 6 of them and Houston had 5 of them.
3: And Memphis being deep, they played Mm -hmm. 10 guys, I think 9-10 guys, all of them played some decent minutes. Maurice only played two minutes, but he don't normally play like that. They'll play guys who play close to double-digit minutes, so they just throw waves at you, throw waves. And that could be very – think of Arkansas 40 minutes of hell back in the day. Very, very interesting. We'll see if Memphis sticks with that throughout the rest of the year. Other games, we have Oregon over Memphis. We also had Tyler called it the best game he's seen so far (laughs) in this young year already. VCU holding court at home against LSU. It should have been a battle of rank versus rank. They dropped VCU from the rankings. It's definitely two top 25 teams. We were at the Louisville game, so we didn't get to watch most of this, but thankfully Tyler did. Take it away. Marcus
1: Santos Silva. This is the second time I've thrown his name out in two weeks, and it's very deserving. 17 points, 11 rebounds came in and was banging for the Rams. LSU had all five starters in double figures. Every single one of them. Skylar Mays 23 points, 8 rebounds. Man, it was as far as a game that you wanted to watch that was fun. It had everything you wanted. But with as far as stats, this is the weirdest year so far starting out cuz there are teams that are winning every statistical thing but are losing the game. LSU is another thing. They won the rebounds, they won the turnovers, they won the assists, but what they did not win what, what that's, that's turnovers on accident. They had 26 turnovers. 26 turnovers uh, VCU forced LSU into. That was probably about as bad as it was for Kansas earlier in the year, too. That's that's terrible news as far as turnovers. VCU just was 84-82. Skyler Mays with his 23 points, but he was just forcing there at the end of the game. Kept trying to drive and drive, and VCU was standing on ground, going straight up, forcing just horrendous shots from Skyler Mays, and that ultimately was what led them to the victory at the end of the game. Their their defense holding strong, going up, not making silly fouls, and just forcing LSU into so many turnovers. It was a fun game, up and down, NVCU, VCU. The crowd was pumping. Well, I know we got a guy in the group who's a very big uh, Virginia-based guy, and I'm sure he was excited as much as I was for this game.
3: Yeah, um, like I said, we were at the Louisville game and keeping an update on the score. So, it doesn't surprise me VCU won. It doesn't surprise me LSU competed. Both teams are very good. Both teams are very deserving and capable of staying in the top 25 all year. VCU, the beat just keeps rolling on. Over the last 10, 12 years, that's become a program that you got to keep an eye out on. Anthony Grant used to coach there and was really good with VCU back in the day before he bolted for Alabama. Then here comes Shaka Smart, continues to see what he did, made the final four. He leaves for Texas. The beat keeps going on. Will Wade was there. He continued that path. Then he's at LSU now, which is a return. Yeah, he <laughs> returned to VCU. They're coaching now. VCU, just the beat keeps going on. That's a program that knows how to win now. Good win for VCU. LSU is going to be fine. You got to watch it more than we did. LSU, still going to be a handful.
1: Oh, their, their offensive scoring is phenomenal. They just need the only thing they need to button up is turnovers. Last last couple of games, I've, I've got to check the stats and watch LSU. It's just they're throwing the ball away. Senseless mistakes. These are personal mistakes that they can they can fix. And if LSU does that, they're going to be a very good force in the SEC conference here.
0: Yeah, I picked LSU to win this game. I thought it was going to be close like it was. But I picked LSU to win this game for basically one reason, not the experience, and another reason I thought the athleticism would – help them win this game. But I was completely wrong. Hats off to VCU. This was a great win. Why they dropped out of the top 25, I don't know. But they're obviously going to be back in the top 25 come this Monday or tomorrow.
1: The the committee needs to listen in on Sundays (coughs) and join the conversation with everything called (laughs) Massimo Podcast because we have nailed this on the head.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought, too, I thought LSU would win as well because I thought that their length and experience getting to the offensive glass would be the difference. Yeah. But VCU him, good win Now Marcus Silva Santo Silva is he's one of the more underrated players in college basketball. He's a walking double double.
1: Oh, he's phenomenal. He, he, he's one of the, one of my few uh, shortlists here for my new Mike D- the bomb Dom this year and oh. he's making a hell of a case. after week five I will have my for certain one. So, <laughs> so hopefully it stays with you Marcus. keep going.
3: So VCU with the big win that same night. In a matchup, another one we were all anticipating weren't ready for, part of the Gavit tip-off classic Big East versus the Big Ten. In Columbus, Ohio, we had the number 10 Villanova Wildcats going to the number 16 Ohio State Buckeyes. We all thought it would be close. And if you told us at the start Ohio State wins, we wouldn't have surprised at all. But if you told us Ohio State wins by 25 points, I would have told you you're lying. But that's exactly what happened, Tyler. Ohio State 76, Villanova 51. Initial reaction to that?
1: I put my foot in my mouth. There was a comment in the group. This is the only one that I picked wrong, by the way, from last week's. And it was if when I go wrong, it goes wrong. They uh, they came out. I think it was like a 15 to two run, 15 to three run, and they never looked back. Ohio State shot 60% from the field, 56.3% from three point line. Very balanced attack. They had no one over 14 points in the game scoring. So Ohio State executed their game plan to a T. Villanova, I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know if you guys were out drinking the night before, watching Dave Chappelle stand up too late or something. But you guys laid an egg. This was the second egg laid of the week. We don't have a dirty dozen yet of eggs laid, so this was terrible. Just, just a terrible showing for you guys, and hopefully you can bounce back because this is a game that is just going to be bad looking for you if you don't right the ship
3: quick. And Villanova hit 10 threes. Normally if Villanova hits 10 or more threes, then they're in the opposite position. They're blowing a the team out. Ohio State looks like the real deal McCoy right now. I wasn't sold on them preseason. And I know we're only three or four games into the year. Three to be exact for Ohio State. But that looks like the team that could challenge and win the Big Ten right now. Yeah. Um, Caleb Wesson inside. You got uh, Kyle Young on the, the perimeter, or like wing kind of air. Muhammad, Washington Jr. This team looks like they're built to, you know, how about DJ Carton coming off the bench 11 points? And Chris Holtman's a hell of a coach. You've seen what he did at Butler following Brad Stevens. Now he's on to Ohio State, running, you know, keeping the ship at a steady pace. This looks like a team now that can win the Big Ten.
0: You see, I said this last week. I said it was going to be a close game. I said, do not sleep on Ohio State. I did pick Villanova to win in a close, hard fought game. I, but I said, do not sleep on Ohio State because you guys said, you wouldn't sleep on them, but you said that Villanova would win handily by 10 points or more. Absolutely. And I did not expect that to be Ohio State winning by 25 points. Did not expect that in a million years. But the player of Villanova, Sadiq Bey, he only had two points. The highly talented freshman that I'm high on, Jamia Robinson Earl, he only had eight points, 311 in shooting from the field. Uh, Cole Swider, he came off the bench, had 11 points. He's the
3: only bench points that Villanova had. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, Samuels, he had 14 points, 11 scoring. Gillespie had 10. Buffalo State, Kevin Weston, he had a double-double, 10 points, 11 points. You uh, mentioned DJ Carton, a four-star who I'm pretty high on. He came off the bench, had 11 points, 4 from 10 from the field. He had 5 rebounds, 5 assists, too. Only turned the ball over twice. But great win for Ohio State. I never would have thought they would have Blue a Villanova team. Out like that by 25 points. I thought it was gonna be close to game that, but I was I was wrong. Great win for Ohio State though.
1: It's rare when you can tell a game is over within the first four minutes of two teams that on paper are so evenly matched. It took four minutes this game to me realize that Ohio State is going to kill these guys, and that's that's just something that doesn't happen very often. Did it start you know, out
0: like 20 to five or something? like it that? It was
1: awful. It yeah. was awful. They had double digit lead within three minutes. Yeah. Jeez,
3: moving on. Though, Ohio State was a big win, uh, asserting their dominance in the Big Ten. Another Big Ten team that had a big road game, or well, not you know another road game, but had a road game of significant consequence. We're talking about Michigan State going into number twelve Seton Hall. Michigan State was ranked what third? Third. 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 So, th- Michigan State number three going into Seton Hall. Questions abound. If superstar for Seton Hall Pirates. If Miles Powell would play, he suited up and he put a show on. It just wasn't enough. Michigan State holds on for the 76-73 win. Peyton, initial reactions from this classic game on Thursday night.
0: What a game by Miles Powell. I did not know if he was going to play coming off the injury. He came off and had 37 points. Some of those shots he hit late in the game, like two minutes left, was incredible. He showed you why that I think he's the best scorer. In college basketball. I might even say he's maybe the best player in college basketball. I think he's earned that um, title. I think he is really good. And um, um, Cassius Winston from Michigan State, he had 21 points. He did his thing. Malik Hall came off the bench, freshman, got 17 points. Great game. How about the play of Rocket Watts, too? Oh, my God, yeah. He,
3: it, stat-wise, didn't show up, but some of the plays late when Seton Hall was either, I just took the lead, or it was only down, they had momentum rolling, is what I'm trying to say. Rocket Watts comes pushing the ball down the floor in one possession, When I'm really thinking of, gets a, or Seton Hall defense to collapse on him. His eyes are on the rim the whole time, but realizes <laughs> he's got Cassius Winston spotting up on the corner to his left side. Makes the right play, kicks out Winston. Winston hits a three, gives Michigan State the. I think it gave them the lead back, if I remember right. Those, but Rocket Watts was very, very steady this game. I thought.
0: Yeah, and after the Kentucky game, he played like crap in that game, and yeah. he stepped up in this one. And Xavier Tillman, big, he only had three points, but he had eleven rebounds. It shows that you don't have to score a lot of points to really help your team win. And he had eleven rebounds. But great win for Michigan State. Close, hard fought game. I actually picked Michigan State to win by twenty plus. Just right. because I didn't take miles by was going to play. And he did, and he showed out. Almost got it done, but not quite. Great win for Michigan
1: State. A thing that I've noticed throughout the first couple games, and I know it's going to get changed. I mean, I know Cassius Winston had one other player in double digits, but Cassius needs some help. They need to help scoring the basketball. Yeah. yeah. If you got a guy on the bench coming off scoring 17 points, that's fine and dandy. But that doesn't happen very often. And not every team has Jason Terry coming off the bench. Yeah. Or Jamal Crawford. That's just that's just not how it works. And these guys need to learn how to score. It's it's a blessing to have two great ball handlers with Rocket Watch and Cassius Winston, but you need some consistent scoring. You need another guy averaging double figures. And it's just I don't know if it's gonna happen before Big Ten time or not. But we'll wait and see. Hopefully they can they can write the ship and find ways to get other people on the board other than other than Cassius. But other than Miles Powell just went insane. Yeah. Miles Powell had a performance of a lifetime. Again, we keep saying this, but it's, it's the norm for this guy. And everybody's saying now Now people are saying that he could be player of the year and stuff. We mentioned it three weeks ago. Yeah. Miles Powell is one to watch right off, right off Jump Street. He is a player that can do it all offensively, and he does it. Game in and game out. Coming off a questionable injury, if he's not even going to be able to play or not, and of course, 37 points. What do you want to do? How, what do you going to do? How,
3: how, I mean, he's got great size. I mean, not only just height, but, like, body stature. Gets good explosion off of the shot. Can get a shot off anywhere. He went on a streak that Miles Powell can only do there in the second half, the last five minutes, where he hit three after three after three. Pop, pop, pop. And he was, like, pumped up. The crowd was all behind him. You can't give him any breathing room. And even if you have a hand right in his grill, he's still able to hit on you. And he got fouled, I thought, the last play. That drive there at the end of the game. He went into contact, and he's a big dude. He's not known for flopping. He hit the deck pretty hard. I thought it was a foul, and he should have been at the line for two. It would have tied the game up.
0: Oh, yeah. That's questionable. That's a question call up. But the thing is about Miles Powell, what I love about this game, he just shows up for big games. He shows up when – for big moments. You look at last year, he showed up against Louisville, almost saying Haley beat Louisville. He showed up against Kentucky when they beat Kentucky. Um, he just and then obviously now from Michigan State, he just shows up for big games, and that's why ever since I watched him last year, I just love watching him play. He is a microwave, and he, if he gets hot, you cannot stop him. I'm sorry. But 37 points coming off the injury was incredible.
3: Yeah, And I think Seton Hall is fine. As long as Miles Powell plays, Seton Hall is going to be top 25 good all year. Oh, absolutely. I think they're going to be a favorite. And now, especially after Villanova, you question the marks about their performance. Seton Hall, I think, is the favorite now to win the Big East.
0: Oh, my God, yeah. We picked Villanova to win the Big East. I think we might have
1: to reevaluate that after Miles Powell's performance. Give it five games. Give it five games in the season, and we'll, we'll go from there. That's what mm-hmm. I said, Mike. <laughs> so... um
3: um, other games, sorry, I kind of lost or train of thought there. Other games happen throughout the week, as we'll talk about. Yesterday, last night, Washington, number 20 Washington, goes into Rocky Top. The beat keeps going on for Rick Barnes and company at Tennessee. They lose five players from last year's uh, SEC tournament champion team. You know, two all-timers for the program. Yeah. Three pros all together. Mm -hmm. But the beat keeps going on. Jordan Bowden continues his hot run to start the year. 26 last night against Washington. 23-26. Averaging close to 20 points a game. Tennessee. We're all high on Washington. But Tennessee just continues to grind out these wins. They're going to be good as long as Rick Barnes is there.
1: Who did Washington come off of beating last week? Was that Oregon? No, they
3: beat... um, uh, uh, Baylor.
1: Yes, Bay- Baylor. That was they had a big, big time primetime game against a Big Twelve team and Baylor, and then they'd get turn around and they get beat by Tennessee. Tennessee is remains undefeated, doing everything they can. And like I said, Bowden, phenomenal player. Tennessee. Yeah. They might, might break the rankings this week. We never yeah. know. We'll I see think what they will be. I, I, think, I think, think they should be they should. in the
3: top twenty-five. Uh, Washington gets gets ranked, and now I think they'll probably be jumping right back out, hopscotching right. right back out. But Tennessee, the beat just keeps going on. Any other games throughout the week that caught your eye? We were at the Louisville game when they blew out Indiana insane. State. Uh, I would put my vote in right now since there's going to be a new number one. I think I would put Louisville number one. No,
0: no,
1: no. Between Louisville or Duke? And yeah, I think Duke to
0: Duke. I don't want the number one spot until. We get a number one seed in the tournament. I don't want the number one spot. You've seen Michigan State get beat. You've seen Kentucky. Get me away from that number one spot. Too early. Too, too early. early. Way too early for me. But, yeah, I think we're one of the best teams
1: in the nation. You won it in March, not in December. Yes. One, November. Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: I do not want that number one spot right now. Get that away from me. Uh, but, yeah, we are one of the best teams in the nation. Though. We played well against Indiana State. Blew them out 91-62. to We shot the ball so well from three. 53% from the three points. Hit, like, six first six or seven we in a row. six and six um, in the first half. We lit it up. Jordan and I had 21 points.
3: The beat keeps rolling down in Louisville. We played phenomenal. Cards looked real good in person. So, that's a fun place to go watch a game, too. If you game at the Yum Center, very cool place to go watch a game. Uh, food food prices are ridiculous. but That's, that's everywhere. That's another story, and though. Not caught that's, of course, beautiful. Absolutely. Beautiful. and Absolute. Freaking beautiful. beautiful. Um, any other games throughout the week that maybe you guys caught your eye or you want to talk Two. about? Number 24, Baylor
1: barely escaped Texas State, 72-63. It was closer than a game than what the score says. They had to foul at the end. Baylor probably going to get leapfrogged out of the top 25, making room for a VCU, a Tennessee. Uh, they, I mean, they barely got this victory, but it, it doesn't show that they deserve to be in there quite yet. Monday. Winthrop goes into St. Mary's, number 18, and knocks him off 61-59 in the close heart yeah, battle. Good. Winthrop coming in and, and knocking off a team such as St. Mary's. They are, I know they always play second fiddle to Gonzaga, but they have been a perennial team, top 25, for the past six, seven years. St. Mary's lays an egg on Monday.
3: Yeah, Winthrop, too, um, off to a really good start. How about um, – and then they turn around, and at the buzzer lose East Tennessee State, who's undefeated, who I will actually talk about here. In the next segment, i got something on them I'd like to talk about. But there's a lot of mid-majors now starting to build up, right? We talked last year a lot earlier about Wofford, about UNC Greensboro, about I mean, you guys heard my love for the SOCON with Furman and all these teams. Now you're starting to see Winthrop. How about, here's another team, Nickel State. They lose barely opening game of the year at Illinois. Barely. They were leading most of the game. Illinois took them overtime and beats them. They beat Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh, and just yesterday I think it was LSU. They play LSU. Good for the majority the game. LSU pulls away wait, or pulls away late. Nichols State's a team that playing a tough schedule could very well be one of those teams to be a factor coming say tournament time. Oh yeah. How about this? Uh, we said
0: we we're going to try to get it trending on Twitter. Hashtag fire that continues because after they got beat by Texas. Purdue end up losing another game against Marquette, 65-55. to uh, Marcus Howard had like 18 points in that game. Um, Florida State beat Florida 63-51
3: yeah. Six in a row. Now six years in a row they've owned the Florida Gators.
0: Yeah. Florida's not off to a hot start. Let alone it's three games, so it's only been two weeks, so you have to get you have to keep on watching and see how they improve. But they are not too
3: off to a hot start right now. Another SEC team loses uh, an a non conference game, I guess, if you want. Uh, uh, excuse me, Vanderbilt loses to Richmond. Yeah. Continues a tough like, What's stretch. What's Jerry Stackhouse? Yes, Jerry Stackhouse. Was say? Alabama lost another game.
1: Oh, my God. So,
3: Indiana won another one this week, another Indiana, blowout. Indiana's whooping some ass. Indiana looks cool. good. They are.
1: I know they're not playing the type of competition that other teams are, but they are handling business.
3: Yeah, that's all you can do. I mean, it's your schedule, and you can only play who's in yeah, front of you. them up. They are – got to give credit to them. They're looking really good right now. So
0: Yeah. Uh, BYU upset at uh, Houston by a game winner. I think it was like 73, 72, so close like that. Uh, Houston also has Quentin Grimes, former Jayhawk, and they lost be a game winner. Um, and that's all I have.
3: St. Joe's beat Connecticut 96-87. That's Will right. Connecticut ever get back to form? I don't know. No, I don't know. No. Um,
1: need a need a high-profile coach. Yeah. That's the only thing I think that's going to pull Connecticut within the ranks.
3: Yeah, Danny Hurley. It's a, tough hill, it's a tough climb back to hoe right now. Hey, Ray
1: Allen, why don't you come out and coach these boys? Get them back <laughs>
3: up there. Come on, Ray Right. <laughs> Real quick, talk about the – I mean, your boys blew out Monument the other night, but the craziness at the end, what would you think about that?
1: <laughs> nah, 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 whatever.
0: Whatever, <laughs> just
1: have some fun. Who cares? Uh,
0: Talking about a big East school, like Xavier escaped and he lost 59-56 from Missouri State. They – I think it was it was tied up 56-56, and they, I guess they hit a three or something like that.
3: Xavier now owns the state of Missouri because also early in the week they beat Missouri. Yeah. Missouri uh, – Challenged him early and I think it ended up going to overtime And Xavier held off and beat them Xavier's a good team Yep, Duke
0: held off, a cl- kind of a close game 74-63 win against Georgia State uh, Trash You <laughs> obviously have the Kansas game UNC beat gardner Webbs 77-61 uh, Baylor won 72-63 Against Texas State
3: Gonzaga, Gonzaga blows out Texas team. A&M 79-49 That's a team right there Corey Kispert's playing well. They're big. They're long. They're athletic experience. Gonzaga. You just got to keep an eye on the Bulldogs. Talking
0: about Florida, they almost lost against Towson 66-60. Geez, 6, they are struggling. Early they early.
3: struggled against you in or North Florida the first game. I mean, the Gators just aren't meshing well like we thought they would early. No. Lots not. of talent. Yeah. I just I don't know if they're just having a hard time figuring it out. Yeah, me either. Auburn almost lost to South
0: Alabama, seventy to sixty nine. They had, I think, Isaac Okoro had, had
3: a game, game winner. Yep,
0: had a game winner to win the game. Had a game winner.
3: So that's it for kind of the the roundup of the week. You guys kind of get the gist. If there's any games we miss, I'm sure you can leave us a comment and we'll uh, we'll discuss if you want to. But other than that, those are kind of the big ones that really stuck out this week. Obviously, number one goes down for the second week in row presumably duke goes number one so we'll see how they handle business at the new number one team tyler we talked about him the start this is always kind of your spot for him show some love to our sponsor applied right painting
1: i actually have a quote for a personal paint job done by the one and only jr rowe with applied right paint restoration jr is coming over monday we've got a time set up he's going to do a. Give me a, a quote for some, some work on my home because I don't want to do it. And <laughs> I just, you know, when, after seeing all his pictures and everything and everything that he does, I, I trust the work that he does. So if you guys want to have some proof in the pudding, I am relying on our sponsor, J.R. Rowe with Applied Right and Painting Restoration, to come over and give me a, a quality quote that is comparable to other companies, but you're getting the, you're helping a smaller company. I'm not going to, some big Sherman Williams and having them come do it I'm going to the local guy I always like doing that and his work is in the proof just go to his page on Facebook you can find his personal page anything you want to do everything with rate and paint restoration everything is look top-notch so I gave him a call hit him up he's gonna come check it out and see what we can do so if you need that as well I can give you the information the information is in the announcements if you want some other information I'll get it to you JRO and Applied Right Painting Restorations.
3: There you go. Hit up JRO, our, our main sponsor here. Everything College Basketball. With that said, we're going to take a, a break in the action. When we come back, we'll start previewing some of the games. It's not the strongest slate of games early. Back half of the week picks up. You're listening to Everything College Basketball, episode number forty-four. What's
0: going on, ECB fans? My name is Peyton Martin, AKA J Three. X and I am the host of the J3X Show. The J3X Show is a professional wrestling podcast and also an MMA podcast as well. On the wrestling side, you can find our predictions for every WWE, AEW, and NXT pay per view, and also find our pay per view review episodes there too. On the MMA side, you can find everything from our predictions for most UFC pay per views, personal top five lists, and interviews as well. So if you want a fun podcast to listen to, where you're playing games, you're at work, or whatever you may be doing, then the J3X Show is the place for you. With that being said, let's get back to the Everything College Basketball Podcast. Boom!
3: So like I said at the end of the last segment, this week early on, this upcoming week should I say, Not the greatest slate of big-time games that you'd look forward to. But the back half picks up. Starting on Thursday night, we're in Madison Square Garden, a pair of games we're going to talk about. First up that night, we've got Texas versus Georgetown. Texas is another team, I think, that could be ranked this upcoming um, AP poll coming out on Monday. But if not, they'll be right there on the outside looking in. Undefeated, playing well to start the year off with. Obviously, the big win at Purdue They just beat. Was that? Hold on, I got it right here. Was that Providence or Prairie Prairie View A and M? They're they're playing well. Georgetown coming off of a loss. Guys, what do you think? Texas and Georgetown. Texas,
0: according to Ken Palm, they're ranked twenty eighth. Offensive efficiency, they're ranked sixty one, and defense actually ranked fourteenth, which is pretty high for them. Um, Obviously, just came off that big uh, win against Purdue at Purdue, seventy to sixty six. The 4-0, they haven't really played anyone else besides Purdue, and if they did, they blew them out. And the leading scorer, Matt Coleman, the third, they lead to him scoring with 14.5 points. Andrew Jones, 13.3. And Courtney Lamey, who's I think is a sophomore or a junior this year, he was my most underrated player for uh, the Big 12 Conference. Um, he averages nine points per game. I'm looking at him for a guy to show up for this game. Um, I'm a huge fan of him. I think he could shoot the ball if he gets the opportunity to do so. He's kind of hesitant. He's not consistent. I really look to a guy like this because Coleman, he's going to do his thing. Jones is going to do his thing. I think besides those two, Texas is going to need someone else to step up and score double digits. Whatever the case may be, whether it's rebounds, assists, to really step up and help them win this game. Georgetown, not really playing the best. I do like Texas winning this game, though. I like their Texas squad. Huge fan of Shocker Smart. You mentioned him with um, him coaching VCU back in the day. Got him to the Final Four. I think he's a hell of a coach, and he is on the hot seat right now. He needs to have a good year. They beat Purdue at Purdue. I think that's a good start. I like Texas winning this game, though.
3: Yeah, Ken Blom actually has Texas winning 73-68. I think, Ooh. I, I think that's closer. You shouldn't be. Well, I had 74-69. Oh, okay. What's up,
1: Ken Pom? Get me on the payroll. Let's go. <laughs> Whoa. So, um, I trust Ken Pom's standings. I think Georgetown
3: is a little bit in flux right now. If you look at their their um, game that they lost the other night against um, Penn State, that they lost by fifteen at home, oh, eighty-one yeah, mean. sixty-six. Mac McClung didn't play well. James Akinjo didn't play well. If those two don't play well. Georgetown's not good. If they play well though, Georgetown can make a tournament. You know, be sneaky. This is in their backyard, essentially, the in Madison Square Garden, legendary venue for the Georgetown Hoyas. I think Georgetown keeps it close. I think Ken Palm's just about right. I think Tyler's just about right. Bang, but I well. do go Texas as well. Ken Palm says 73-68. We'll, we'll say that's good enough for me. Texas
1: wins. Well, I've already spoiled mine. <laughs> 74-69, Texas. I think Texas' defense's paralysis is better than what? Uh, Georgetown could do offensively, especially with their struggles as of late, early in the season. Texas goes out and gets them one.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Horns up. The, the yeah. second
3: game of the night in Madison Square Garden following Texas-Georgetown, you have presumably the new number one team in the nation, the Duke Blue Devils, playing a a better Cal team, a team that's getting better. They're undefeated right now at 3-0 with, under new head coach Mark Fox. Ken Palm has this. Duke winning 79-61. I don't see where Cal even. I think they can keep it close. They are shooting. Where did I have that in Ken Palm at? They are shooting third in the nation and three point percentage shooting, 47% from three. Um, they got multiple guys who can spread you out and hit. I think that's a big factor. If Dukes, again, if Dukes Biggs can come out and guard that, then they then they'll be fine. If they can't guard the three from multiple positions, same similar to what Evansville did in Kentucky then California could theoretically pull the upset. I think Duke will win. I don't think it will be as much as Ken Palm predicts, um, an 18-point game. Give me Duke. I think they're due for a struggle game. Uh, even if they don't lose, I think they're due for a struggle game. Cal hits a three at a high clip at 47%, even though they've not played anybody. They had them a struggle game uh, this
1: past Wednesday, didn't
3: they? Yeah, but what I'm talking turds. about like a real one where they really feel like they're going to lose.
1: I always feel like
3: they're gonna lose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Duke eighty one to seventy five. I think late in the game Cal's in it though.
0: Yeah, see all around offensively and defensively, Duke's great. They went fourth in Ken Palm. They went eighth in their offensive efficiency, third in defensive efficiency. Besides that Can- Kansas game, which was a two point victory over Kansas, they really haven't played anybody and if they have a they blue out. Um, besides the Georgia State game, they struggled a little bit. Ended up winning by 11 points. Uh, with this being a Madison Square Garden, Duke's defense is going to be too much for California to handle. I like Duke winning 74-58. to 58.
1: Duke wins 81-69. Any team that loses, what, 20 games in a row last year, sure as hell ain't going to turn around that quick. Man. Cal, they, they're, making, they're making progress, but they're trying to do miles with inches. Duke, Duke wins this handedly, eighty one sixty
3: nine. Uh, and uh, uh, here's another big one involving LSU on Friday night. We've got a pair of big time games on Friday night. LSU, we just talked about them. They went on the road to play VCU Friday night, and I think this is in Jamaica. It is Friday night in Jamaica, Mom. Yeah, Mom. <laughs> Number twenty three LSU playing. Undefeated number seventeen Utah State.
1: Mm.
3: Tyler, I'll start with you. Ken Palm's got an LSU seventy-eight. Utah State seventy-seven.
1: It, it's kind of fuzzy for me right now. I just I can't. I don't think I can quote on this quite yet. Kind of fuzzy in the air.
0: You want me to go? Yeah. I have a prediction. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, my prediction I mean, coming off this like... tough loss against VCU, LSU has a great offense. They got weapons and Twin and Wofford. I'm a huge fan of. Skylar Mays, Emmett Women's coming off the bench, help with that rebounding margin. I think they're gonna come out motivated. I like LSU winning 74 to 67. I think LSU's gonna come out motivated. They're gonna hit a lot of shots, they're gonna out-rebound them. And I think their athleticism, I said this before, was wrong. I think their bigs and athleticism is gonna hurt Utah State. I don't like Utah State winning this game. 74-67. LSU wins.
3: I, We talked about in our preseason poll, I was very high on Utah State. I still am. They bring back their top six guys, top seven guys, all starting five from last season, basically. They ha- they will have the best player on the floor on Friday night in Sam Merrill. Yes. Sam Merrill is a guy who can go get points at a high clip. He can rebound. Um, started the year off 28 points against Montana State. He fits in any role they need him to fit. A good shooter. I like Sam Merrill. I like this Utah State team. But, I'm with you. Coming off a loss, I think LSU is motivated. I still think their size and ability to beat you up on the backboard is going to take effect. I do like Utah State, though. They're Their starting center, Kuba Kar- uh, Karwowski, 7'2", 220-pound junior. Uh, it's a big guy inside, but... Even though Utah State's experience, I think the the matchup comes down to who wins the backboard specifically. Again, the offensive glass, LSU is notorious for it. Emmett Williams didn't play the best I've seen against VCU. No, I expect him to have a bounce back. <laughs> uh, Ken Palm says seventy-eight, seventy-seven LSU. I think it's close like that. I think it's a little bit more low scoring though. Give me LSU sixty-five, Utah State sixty-three. Well, Keep in mind Jamaica too. Anytime you go to a lot of them, like foreign courts that don't traditionally have games on them all the time, whether it be a ballroom or not, floors are always different. Rims yeah. are different. Shooting percentages go down. That's why I'm predicting 65, 63.
1: Where yeah, is right. that tournament? That is the Atlantic or something like that? Battle for Atlantis. Oh. Yes, that play. I love that place. That oh. place is beautiful.
3: Yeah, Oh, that one is. Yeah.
1: Oh, what's that? Oh, yeah, yeah, my bad. Sorry, I, forgot I was, just, I was daydreaming. I, daydreaming. I forgot you didn't
3: have a prediction, but yeah. not yet anyways. Yeah. Um, but also, Friday night, how about this one? Even though they come off a loss, this Houston team's very dangerous. They're going to be right there in the American Athletic, along with Cincinnati and Memphis all year long. They go to number 14, Oregon. We know how good Oregon is. They're going to crack the top 10, I think, this week in People, poll. Yeah. One of the be- better teams in the nation, Houston, though. Do they go in and pull off the upset against Oregon?
0: I mean, they have four guys who have some double figures i or double digits. I am just super high on Oregon right now, With even without them Dante. Just without them, they're still really good. I am super high on point guard uh, Peyton Pritchard. I don't think Houston has much of a shot. I like Oregon winning 70-58 in this game.
3: Houston's struggling shooting from three right now. Only shoot 33.3% from three. I think that needs to go up. But four guys, double figures, a lot of experience. Quentin Grimes is a guy who can definitely he's, – he's been playing well, double figures every game so far as they've played. Um, the experience from Kansas, he can turn it on. We've seen it in games last year with KU. can turn it on when need to. I like him having a big game. Here's a guy that needs to play well, though, for Houston. I said at the beginning of the year, he's only averaging 5.5 points a game right now. I thought would be their leader this year, and I know it's early, but Chris Harris at the center spot has to play better. I think he has a big game. I think Quentin Grimes has a big game, but I don't think it's enough. Give me Oregon. I think this could be a high scoring. I thought Utah State LSU is low scoring. I think this could be high scoring. Oregon holds court at home. 89 81. But I think Houston gives them a game for the majority of it. Oh, Ken Palm, too. I didn't even say. Sorry, Ken Palm has um, Oregon winning 71 66. They think it's a little closer than what I do.
1: I kind of agree with the way Ken Palm puts it. It's going to be a pretty close game. Houston's going to find a way to scratch and claw and play in there. But it's just not going to be enough after watching the way they played against Memphis who is a way more talented team they know what to do to win games they are put in positions whenever they' were with their backs against the wall Oregon's battle tested early. Oregon's going to continue to stay ready to play anybody they're going to win this game
0: 76-72. yeah um, Obviously Houston just came off that tough loss game winner by BYU. So they're gonna look for motivation to come back and beat Oregon. But Quentin Grimes, I mean, he's only played. They've only played two games, but he's shooting absolutely terrible from three. His three-point percentage is 16.7. That is absolutely garbage. And if he wants to even be close to this game, he's gonna to have to shoot better from three than he is right now in these two games. But I don't think it'll be enough. Even if he does it, I do like Oregon. I'm high on this Oregon squad.
3: So our other one we wanted to kind of preview for this week Will be Saturday night This is an old rivalry This is an old southern rivalry Because they're basically right next across the river from each other Um, The Memphis Tigers host The Ole Miss Running Rebels Ole Miss Well I guess they're not the Running Rebels Because that would be UNOV So the Ole Miss Rebels But Ole Miss has been better in year one Under uh, Kermit Davis Yep Ole Miss is still a good team this year We know what Memphis is, but they will be without the services of James James Wiseman. Wiseman. Ken Palm has Memphis holding home court 78-73 over Ole Miss. I think Memphis finds a way to win, and I think it's close to that score. I think Memphis wins 75-71 over Ole Miss. Ole Miss, it's going to be one of those games that goes back and forth, maybe sloppy at times. Ole Miss, quietly good, I think Or, sorry, yeah, Ole Miss quietly good, but I think Memphis has, even without Wiseman, has enough weapons to disturb Ole Miss. But the best player on the floor is going to be Brian Tyree from Ole Miss. He is, we talked about Miles Powell, Brian Tyree is the guy to go get you 30.
0: Yeah, Uh, that's right. James Wiseman is not playing in this game. I was going to pick Memphis, but. I do Ooh. like Devontae Shore. He's averaging 16 points per game. You obviously mentioned Tyree 15.7 and KJ Buffin 14.7. They're shooting 32.1% from three. I was gonna pick Memphis to win. But you know what? Why not? Sound the line, upset alert, Ole Miss upsets Memphis. What is it? Memphis is at home right yeah. upset. They upset them, and you know what? They rush that ugly floor. Why not cover that up? I don't want to see that floor ever again. You gonna
1: rush on an away game? Sure. Whoa, why not? that's a bank on it. Why right there. not? That's Who a cares? bank. On it. That's a bold prediction. Pool. Sure. Why
0: not? I don't care. <laughs> I really hope Ole Miss wins this game though, and I'm picking them to win in a close game, 70 to 66.
3: And keep in mind, this is not people don't think of it, but this is an old rivalry. Memphis is like on the southern that southwest corner of. Tennessee, which is right there on the border of like the old the Mississippi border, Oxford's not too far away. This is an old rivalry.
1: Right up the road, uh, Josh pretty much took the words out of my mouth for this game. I, I think Memphis finds a little success, and their full court press turns Ole Miss over in what they want to. That's been the story for most teams this year: is who can win the turnover battle. Last year's rebounds, now it's turnovers so yep. far. So I believe Memphis comes away. It'll be a closer game than what my score predicts, 77-65, but it's only going to get spread to 12 because of the foul situation at the end of the game. Memphis pulls away.
3: I think that's right. As far as previews, that's it. There is one game that I want to – before I say this, don't freak out. I just want to say I was looking through the schedule. This is a game that I think could be very, very fun on – I got I think it's Tuesday night at the double check. Tuesday or Wednesday night – in Lawrence, Kansas, I do have Kansas on upset. Watch. I'm not alert. What? Watch. <laughs> East, keep, just hold on, hear me out. East Tennessee State, we talked about them. They beat Winthrop. East Tennessee State's 3 0. I talked about them in the SOCON. They are the favorite to win the SOCON. You guys remember last year I was very high on the SOCON. They are the favorite to win this the conference this year alongside with a team like Wofford, Furman, still decent, UNC Greensboro, or whoever, right? East Tennessee State. 3-0 on the year. Smaller team. We've seen what smaller teams early on has done to Kansas. Not only that, they shoot 41% from three. So you bring Odoka Ozabuki. You bring your bigs out away from the rim. A la what Duke did early in that first game of the year. Let's see if Kansas can defend that. East Tennessee State has three guys scoring double figures. I'm not saying Kansas won't win this game. I'm saying East Tennessee State's that good. Will I think we'll push them. If it's a game within the last two minutes, I'm just not going to surprise me. That's why I say it. it's like a tornado watch and warning. Tornado warning <laughs> means there's a tornado or a funnel cloud being spotted. A tornado's on the ground. And a watch means conditions are right. I've got Kansas on upset. Watch because East Tennessee State, I think, is that good and has all the variables to pull the upset against a team like Kansas. I think Kansas wins the game. I think East Tennessee State gives them all they want and some more.
1: Back on Probation. No, this is a game that I've, I've circled pretty handily early for non-conference of a team that could, could push. And what Josh mentions, everything was the reasons why I was looking at them. They're still undefeated. They beat Winthrop, who in return just beat a number 18 seed St. Mary's. So they're proving that they can hand, handle with anybody, really, so far. So undefeated going against Kansas, who got beat already. So at, that's a, a factor in their court. You know they they play the way Duke does. I just I don't think they can turn make Kansas turn the ball over like Duke did. Yeah. So like you said, this this is a watch. I only acted out for for a little commentary animation, but his it, it, uh, points are proven, and we're going to see what happens on Tuesday night.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I think Kansas will win. It's not that I just think people need to keep more of an eye on and not overlook East Tennessee State because they are a very good team, and well, I think conditions are right couple breaks go their way that maybe some magic can happen in Lawrence but regardless win or lose East Tennessee State what I'm trying to tell everybody they're a good team win or lose this game
0: yeah
3: watch out or the Buccaneers are really good so with that you've heard our previews predictions you guys sound out and sound off what you think about that with well, that being said, we're going to take one final break. When we come back, we'll start to wrap things up. we got recruiting news. We've got news in general. Some big stuff happened. And, we've, of course, we got our bank on it and shout-outs and all the above. You're listening to Everything College Rascal, episode 44. And we will be right back.
1: Oh, Do you like T-shirts? Do you like being in control of customizing your own T-shirts? Well, have no fear. Mr. Tease is here. I am Tyler Cook, owner and operator of Mr. T's Customizable T-Shirts. I can do anything that you need as far as, you know, wedding parties, birthdays, anything that you want and need, come to me and I can see if I'll help you out. You can reach me on Facebook. Just search Tyler Cook in there. Uh, you can find me any, you can get my email. I'll send out an email. I'm going to create a page that I'll later add in here. But uh, anything that you need as far as customizable T-shirts, I can I can hook you up. I can get you done right at a reasonable price. But other than that, go back to hearing our wonderful voices on ECB Podcast.
3: Welcome back to episode 44 of Everything College Basketball. You've heard the reviews from last week. You've heard the previews for this upcoming week. Now it's time to get into some of the news and recruiting news. Obviously, the big piece of news this past week, ladies and gentlemen, was... The ongoing saga at Memphis and James Wiseman. First, he was suspended by the NCAA, and then Memphis got the the protective order or whatever and allowed him to play. Then Memphis finally gave in and suspending himself. He's suspended indefinitely, but they are working to try to appeal and getting back on the floor ASAP. The never-ending cycle continues. As a fan of college basketball, like we said last week, I want to see James Wiseman play, but Memphis went ahead, so they might have finally just given in. They said they're appealing, so they're not giving up. What are your guys' thoughts on it?
0: Not a good loss. Um, he's projected to be top two in the draft of 2020. Uh, one and two, you can debate him, Anthony Edwards, even Lamont Ball. You can debate all those three guys for that number one spot next year for the draft. Tough loss from Men- Memphis. Um, I do think it's a smartest. It's a smart move to set him out because if you let him play throughout the season and found out that he was guilty of it, they could. Get rid of all your wins, and if you make it to the postseason, which you probably will, they can eliminate that too. Just learn from Louisville's mistakes. Do not do what we did. We went through a championship game, won it, and then later on got in trouble and had that title stripped away from us and our wins and our Final Four banners back-to-back. So I think it's the smartest move, but it's still not good. I do not like it as well. I don't know what's going to come from it, and this is not the only thing that annoys me because something else I'm sure Josh was talking about him uh, later. That annoys me even more than this one. But yeah, tough loss though. Not good.
1: It's not a situation you want to see because you want to see the top talent on the floor. But Memphis is doing the right move by putting him out because what Peyton said is true. They'll vacate what he was a part of. So Memphis doing what they need to, to hold ship until they get an opportunity to either A, get closure or B, get him back on the floor.
3: Other... More NCA craziness. They have came out this week and put Seton Hall on three years active probation. Peyton, thoughts on this? This is what I was talking about that you'll mention later that annoys me.
0: How, why, and what? I what do they even do? I don't even. I I went through the whole thing. I don't even know what they even did.
3: They put him on three years probation, taking away a scholarship for the twenty twenty. 21 academic year and limited recruiting each of the next two seasons part of the negotiated resolution of a transfer tampering case started in 2016
0: Ridiculous. Ah, just ridiculous. This annoyed the piss out of me because I Like watching Seton Hall play especially most of the reason because Miles Powell, but this sucks I do not like this at all. I think it's stupid how they can um, put a punishment on one team and not do it for another team like Duke Carolina or anyone else like that they pick and choose who they want to put the hammer to and they put the hammer to Seton Hall for what I well, say. Well they didn't really
3: put the I mean probation sucks but it could be worse there's still a lot of playing tournaments so they're losing a scholarship, some sanctions but it's not, it's not as bad as maybe you're making it out to be. It does suck they probably shouldn't be because it's something silly but it could have been a lot worse.
1: Could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I, it's 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 a tough loss. I don't I don't understand it. I think they're just trying to bank some money up for when they got to start paying for player likenesses here in a couple of years. But it's just it's just a bad situation all the way for Seton Hall. You know, they got a player like Miles Pallet. We're not going to be able to see in the tournament.
3: No, no, they're good. They're, good. Oh, they're oh, it they're, starts next year. It, it's the probation doesn't limit them from playing in the tournament. They just lose scholarship for, a, a, like, one a year. They lose some stuff like that. They're good to play in tournaments oh, and Oh, I thought it was He made it seem like it's way worse than what it is. It's not. Ah, well,
1: Peyton, you little motherfucker. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, it ain't so bad now. That's all right. As long as they can get in the tournament and we can see Powell one more time for a, a mad bash for cash in the Final Four, I'm okay.
3: Yeah. Another one, Georgia Tech, we talked about back in the summer, they were put on NCAA probation. They are not allowed to play in any sort of tournament. Even the ACC tournament this year, I do believe, they're appealing that ruling – um, the appeal was due to um, major recruiting violations. So we'll see. But if they don't win that, as of right now, Georgia Tech cannot play in any postseason, including the ACC Conference Tournament. Wow. But they are appealing that.
1: They talk about a smack in the teeth. Yeah. yeah okay. Jeez. L'P, a team that can't catch a break, anyways. Yeah. yeah.
3: Jeez. How about this? New bracketologies. I know it's early, but it's still fun to talk about. Louisville has replaced Kentucky as the uh, number one seed. The Louisville goes to the number one in the Midwest, which would be Indianapolis. Ironically, Kentucky falls to the two in that region. The other number ones would be Duke number one in the East, Kansas number one in the West, Michigan State number one in the South. Other number two seeds, Ohio State number two in Duke's region, Virginia number two in Kansas' region, North Carolina number two in Michigan State's region. Looking through this uh, this new bractology from Joe Lenardi, anything kind of peek out, stand out to your interest or anything?
0: I'm happy that Louisville took Kentucky spots in number one seed, as they should do, because I feel like Louisville's one of the top three teams in the nation. I know it's early, but you can still dream of it. And I'm fine with this black college. Like Duke being the number one overall seed, I think it does they deserve it. Um, the other number one seeds, obviously Louisville, Michigan State, Kansas. I think they got the number one seeds perfectly. Even though at the, before the start of the year, all these like number one seeds was ridiculous. They had North Carolina's one, uh, Florida's one. What did they even drop to? Where's Florida? At?
1: They are four in the again. south.
0: And they had them number one before the start of the season, so they took a major drop. But I'm fine. I know it's early, but it's still fun to talk about. I'm fine with this biology, though.
1: Well, you can you can see where their their numbers were wrong in the beginning because it's just it, you can't predict. I mean, you can put them close, but there are way more red arrows going down for teams and are yeah. green arrows going up. So it just it's going to keep changing. It, it's fun to look at to see where your teams jockeying for position at, where they might go, where they might not go. It's, it's, it's a cool thing to look at and Joe Lenardi, he, he does a, a decent job at this so it's, it's pretty fun to watch
3: i think if this was the hold form like right now the bracket of death should we say would be out in the west you got Kansas as the one St Mary's is the eight against a nine Cincinnati would be a low scoring bang it out affair how about Memphis is the five Liberty is the 12 i'm really high yeah. on Arizona's your four, Ooh. Purdue's a six. Would play either Creighton or West Virginia. Gonzaga to three, Utah State a seven, yep. Virginia two. That would be my bracket of death right there. For sure,
0: for sure, it was very
3: defensive minded too. St. Mary, Cincinnati, uh, Arizona, even Purdue, West Virginia, Gonzaga, Utah State, Virginia. Yeah. Very defensive minded bracket. Should I like actually would it hold up? Yep. I like it. Your boys would have a long road to hoe on that one. Hey. They have eight Big Ten, seven <clears throat> from the P- Big 12 and ACC, six SEC, six Big East, four from the Pac-12, three American Conference, two West Coast, two Atlantic 10, and one from every other conference. The current last four teams in are Creighton, West Virginia, Dayton, Arkansas. First four out, uh, just on the outside looking in. Butler, Indiana, Kansas State, Missouri. I think if you ask me, Indiana should probably take a spot of an Arkansas or somebody, but yeah. plenty. They will. Plenty of time to change our mind.
1: <laughs>
3: but, new bractology, it's always fun to discuss those this early in the year. Yep. Peyton, recruiting news.
0: Well, before that, one more piece of news that's kind of funny. Um, oh, yeah. The
3: wildest story we've had so far in college basketball.
0: It wasn't the Seton Hall thing, it wasn't the Memphis thing, it was Texas Southern's women's basketball team. Before they played uh, the number one team in the nation, Oregon, somebody stole their uniforms, so they had to take numbers from practice jerseys in order to play against number one ranked like, team, Oregon.
3: Who the fuck is stealing women's jerseys? I have no clue. I Especially a poor team like Texas Southern. You're
1: not getting like a Cassius Winston jersey or a Miles Powell or <laughs> Marcus Howard. You're getting fucking...
0: What's this girl's name? It doesn't say the name. Shaquif O'Neal or
1: something? I mean, good God. Who's the fucking morons?
0: Oh, uh, but the image it's funny. They really did take <laughs> I thought
1: that was fake news.
0: No, it literally came out this morning, and I <laughs> laughed my ass off. Um, but anyways, oh, back damn. to the good news. To start it off, four-star center, uh, Javante Brown Ferguson has committed to UConn. 2020 top 50 prospect Xavier Foster has committed to Iowa State. And a little piece of news that Cook sent me. Four-star forward Keon Ambrose Hilton has verbally committed to Alabama.
1: Summer posted it as well. We must have the same (laughs) source.
0: Yep. Uh, 2021 four-star Bryce Hopkins has committed to Louisville. Kind of surprising. I did not think he was going to actually commit this early. But he did, and that's a great pickup already for the 2021.
3: And keep season. in mind, too, this is early signing period. Yes, Th- that's true. They yeah. put that in effect a couple of years back, which is great. You get some early signing period and a late one that college football has. It's, it's great, it really is. Yep,
0: yeah, and another Bryce, 2025 star Bryce Thompson, has committed to Kansas.
3: Which was surprising getting him out of the Oklahoma schools.
0: Yeah, he, I think his final three was, well, he had like a final four, four a final yeah. five. But to me, his top three teams was Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma. I would you say you going to, go to Oklahoma? I switched it at the last minute to Kansas, and I got like, right. thank God I did. Uh, another one I got right here: twenty twenty-five star Amari
3: Burnett has committed to Texas Tech. I what think, made you switch Bryce Thompson to Kansas at the last minute? Though. I threatened him. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, I'm I thought
0: Oklahoma lost a lot of steam, and I was going to. I was thinking about picking off Oklahoma State. But I just liked, I was hearing a lot of rumors that he was gonna to go to Kansas. And this is the only time I bought into rumors, and actually looked up for me this time. So I ended up switching him to Kansas. Uh, like I said, 2025 star Amari Burnett has committed to Texas Tech. Texas Tech, Chris Beard got a, a great player in Amari Burnett. I think it's, Evan Daniels said it's the highest rated recruit they've ever had in school history. Yeah. Whoa. I think. I think Bad that's ass. what he said. Yeah. Um, that's another one I got right. So that makes me eight for nine. Uh, 7 for 8 and I didn't write it down but I just remembered 5 star 2020 Isaiah Jackson has committed to the University of Kentucky. University of Kentucky has the number one ranked recruiting class. They already had it once Devin Askew uh, signed his LOI and reclassified their 2020 class. That, they have
3: four or five five stars for that like 2020. And a four star and uh, Two four Cameron Fletcher.
0: Two four stars and Lance Ware, too. Oh,
3: Lance Ware, that's right. And he wow. signed his uh, early LOI. I think most makes, of them Once it. you sign your LOI, too, you're locked in. You're locked Their, in. Their coach was allowed to comment finally because you're officially signed. Um, Terrence Clark signed his. I told you, Devin, ask you. I told you oh, the whole yeah. time that he was reclassifying. Even though he kept saying he was, and I knew he was, I was hearing this stuff, he was. So that's the point guard. That class next year is literally this is the first time in the Cal Perry that I can remember since maybe he first got there with John Wall and company. But next year he's got his starting five if he wants it already, without even knowing who's coming back from this year's team. Oh, yeah. He's got his starting five. He's got Devin Askew, Terrence Clark. He's got uh, BJ Cameron. Boston, Cameron. I mean Cameron's not going to start. Lance Ware is going to be in there. Um and Isaiah Jackson. Isaiah Jackson. He's got his starting five, do you think regardless this, of who comes back.
0: Do you think it's one of his best classes he's ever had since being at Kentucky? I mean, rankings-wise, it's got to be. Yeah. I mean, four or five, five stars, two, four stars.
3: That is incredible. Rankings-wise, it's got to be.
1: And that's something saying for a guy who recruits it the way he does. Yeah. You think Woo.
3: about some of them classes, man. Um,
1: yeah. Um, Boogie-oogie. How about this, AG. too?
3: If I remember the stat right, it's our first top three prospect we've signed in like three or four years. Really? Who's the last one? Cat? Uh, no, no, that was too far. Oh, he was like nine. Uh, nine I think nine. Jamal Murray maybe. Jamal Murray or De'Aaron Fox <clears throat> maybe. One of the. It's been a few years because you think of all we always have like a top two recruiting class, but it's been three or four seasons since we signed a kid that's a
0: prospect top three. Yeah, but you got your big name now, and this actually makes me eight for nine for the, my crystal ball predictions on the website. To end off with recruiting news, I don't really do this because it's kind of hard to find some stuff like this. But the number two-ranked POSMAC for the 2020 women's class, five-star Haley Van Lift has committed to the University of Louisville. This gives Jeff Walls his fourth commitment and second five-star for the 2020 class. You, obviously, you've been hearing from recruiting news. You're talking about for Louisville, Chris Mack has been on fire. But you got to talk about Jeff Walls, too, because he just locked up the number two-ranked POSMAC for the 2020 class. And I didn't really know it. I didn't know she was even on her radar. And that's how hard it is to find recruiting news for the women's. Obviously, men's is a whole different story. Um, but hey, she—I've been following her her career uh, for a year now on YouTube. But she's an incredible player. She can stroke. Yeah, yeah. she's a baller. She's lefty too.
3: <laughs> so that wraps up news and recruiting. Let's go ahead and get into some of our uh, some of our fun segment here as we start to wind things down. Go on to the
1: bank on it, hey yo! Bank on it, Tyler. I'm owing here. I need a, I need a score. Yeah, I'm, I'm, on I'm in the red zone. I need to run it instead of pass at Seattle, but I am banking on LSU going and beating a higher ranked, undefeated Utah State. Was it Friday night? Uh, Whatever, some, some sort of night this week. One night this week, LSU <laughs> is going to beat Utah State. Snapped their undefeated record so far. LSU Tigers going in Friday night. and knocking on – hey, there's a bank on it. There's one. Uh, LSU wins. Bank on it. Go for it.
3: Uh, my bank on it, I'm the same way. I'm 0 for 2 on the year so far. I thought Murray State would beat Tennessee. didn't happen. Mine, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday night, Vermont, another mid-major to keep an eye on that's Ooh. very good, one of the best mid-major players in America, Anthony Land, capable of getting you 20, 25, 30 a night. They play on the road at Virginia earlier in the week. I'm not saying Vermont beats Virginia because I just don't want to see that happening. But I think here's my bank owner, Anthony Lamb goes for 20 or more. Virginia wins the game, Anthony Lamb has a standout game, goes for 20 or more in the loss.
0: That could definitely happen. Uh, my bank owner, I I'm it. one for one, and history is not on the side. I said Duke was going to beat California. I was struggling to find a bank owner. So I decided to go crazy. Why not? California will upset the Duke Blue Devils Thursday night.
1: Um, that's all I got. It's like we're all gonna be one and three after that. Yeah, yeah that's
3: <laughs> <laughs> Time for shout-outs! Peyton. Oh,
0: I'm up. Number one, Miles Powell for scoring 37 points and a tough loss to Michigan State. He's probably one of my favorite players in the nation right now. Second shout-out goes to Jamaro Brown. From Western Western Kentucky for dropping 41 points, three rebounds, two assists, three steals, and a 79-71 win over Eastern
3: Kentucky. If Western has a guy like Jamar Brown stepping up like that to help (laughs) out and compliment um, Charles Bassey, Bassey, Western could be... How about this
0: for a stat line? Arnaldo Toro Toro. Toro, from American for dropping an insane stat line, a 67-65 win against George Washington. He had 20 points. 24 rebounds, cool. one assist, one block, and two steals.
3: Well, boy, getting some work in.
0: Buckets. The points-wise, it's not a big deal. But when I seen that rebounds, I knew I had a good Arnaldo
3: numbers. Toro, my hey, lord. Man, sounds like a bullfighter. We're right? going to find him on Twitter and see if he gives a little bit of love on that. Uh, yeah. well, Tyler, your shout-outs. A
1: couple teams. A couple teams hit the list here. I am giving the Indiana Hoosiers Ooh. for their early season... Perales here, handling business. I know last year it was a roller coaster of a ride here. Beat Michigan State twice, getting beat by, you know, Ivy Tech and shit. But dropping nine in a row. But Indiana is right in the ship, doing everything they can to get back on track. Shout out to you Hoosiers. We're staying in the state of Kentucky like with Peyton. He was on the western side. I'm going east side. Eastern Kentucky dropping 129 points earlier this week. 129 points. Putting eight guys in double figures. Oh, my God. Eight players. Phenomenal uh, job.
3: Pressing side. Speaking of Easton, they have the number one tempo in America. Um, if you watch them, I talked about them against Kentucky. They press the whole game. They look to speed you up. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me.
1: For 129 points shows why they do it. Yeah. Boy, they're tearing it up. I know earlier in the, in the show I mentioned that Cassius Winston needs some help. But Malik Hall was a little bit of that help in the win. Going 7 for 7 from the field Complimenting 3 for 3 behind the arc 17 points in their win Over Seton Hall Him and Cassius barely outscores uh, Miles Powell That uh, Peyton shouted out To get the, the slight victory over number 12 Seton Hall So shout out to you Mr. Hall My shout outs I, uh,
3: I've i got 3 players 1 coach Obviously I'd be remiss Without my first one being Sam Cunliffe From Evansville we talked about him 17 points off the bench, 15 in the first half. Absolutely, Kentucky could not guard him. None of the bigs guarding him. He, former Kansas man, former the Arizona State guy. We talked about Bill self texting after the game, congratulating him. Sam Cunliffe, game of his life inside Rupp Arena on the big upset. Number two, Jawan Howard, first big win as head coach for the Michigan Wolverines over Creighton on Monday, Monday night, Monday or Tuesday, part of the Gavitt tip-off games. 79-69, Creighton's a team that's expected to be upper half of the Big East, make the NCAA tournament we just talked about in the bracketology, they were in it uh, as an 11 seed. First big win as head coach of the Wolverines, 10-point win over a good Creighton team. Shout-out to Juwan Howard. Third, Christian Doolittle from Oklahoma Sooners. In the win, by the way, Oklahoma's undefeated still, in the win at the, the game that followed Oregon and Memphis, part of the, um, the Phil Knight Classic, Christian Doolittle, 19 points, 16 rebounds, 4 assists in the win over a previously undefeated Oregon State. Christian Doolittle's best player on Oklahoma. Compliments him well. Good stuff. And then fourth and final, the most under-talked about and maybe under-appreciated freshman in America, but probably producing more than any freshman in America overall, the Arizona Wildcats' Zeke Nagy. 19 points in the win against Illinois, 20 points later in the week against Northern Arizona, averaging 21.7 points a game as a freshman. He's 6'11", the man in the middle. He is just dominating right now. You hear these names, James Wiseman, you hear Anthony Edwards, you hear Cole Anthony and all the likes, but not enough loves. Give to Zeke Naji. first shout out of the year, absolutely dominating. He's a big reason why Arizona has changed the way they play, and they're undefeated. Ooh.
0: Good shout I like that. Yeah. yeah,
3: me too. So, wrapping things up. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Um, we'll start with me right, right here, right quick. <coughs> Obviously, we talked about the beginning of the program. Number one's not safe this year. If you think that this year is going to be a year where somebody's dominant, I know people like the clown and maybe have tinted window or tinted glasses or whatever, you're just either trolling or you're full of it. This is going to be a year where there's so much parity in college basketball. I do believe we've already seen it two number ones fall in their first game. I expect just a rotating cast. Um, Whoever wins the title this year could have as many as six losses, I think. Um, It's just going to be one of those years. Too many good teams in the middle. Not a real dominant team right now in college basketball to completely separate themselves. I think it's just going to be a tight race, which is going to make for a fun year in college basketball. Lots of craziness. This isn't it. This isn't going to be the last time we see a number one lose. I expect it to happen quite a bit. It's gonna be You're going to see top five, top ten teams lose every single week from here on out, I do believe. Got some good games. Keep an eye on them. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying the segment. Two weeks, two weeks, our weekly pick-ems make its return. You'll find all that stuff on the Facebook group, the games, but you'll find the standings every week on ecbpodcast10.com. Make sure, again, you're checking the website out. One, we'll start promoting our t-shirts again. Peyton's got everything switched over, so we'll be getting that back up so you can buy some new t-shirts again. Other than that, just keep enjoying college basketball. Keep following us again, ecpodcast10.com. And, uh, yeah, number one's not safe this year.
0: Yeah, and the piggyback of Josh said, I agree with them. It's going to be a crazy fun year with all these number one teams getting knocked off. I think that's going to be a common theme throughout the year, like Josh said. And a team like Florida, who's struggling right now, and even Purdue, who lost two back-to-back games, I don't think you're going to find out how good a team is going to be. To me, for a month in. That's when, to the start of December is where you'll see good teams um, actually perform well. So just sit back and relax if you're a Purdue fan or anybody like that. Don't get too hard on your team because it's a lot of season left to be played. All these good games, go buy our merch, all that stuff. Keep supporting us. We'll keep supporting you, and that's the only thing i got to say.
1: Cook. Oh, damn. (laughs) Wrap it up. Old boy from Monmouth found himself on the wrong side of the news. On Friday, you know, you're getting beat by 55 points or whatever. You sneak in, steal the ball, you dunk it, whatever. But then you will start puffing your fucking chest at the team that just demolished you. If you would have went in there and dunked the ball and then turned around and started laughing, you know, maybe gave a, oh boy, you stole it from a five, you know, just say, I got you, you know, that'd have been okay. But you go in there, I like the hustle, I like the heart, don't go to the buzzer sound, or keep playing to the buzzer sounds. But it was, it was kind of a, a shyster-type move in my eyes at the end. I don't mind the, the pickpocket. I don't mind going and getting the dunk. But you sitting there puffing your chest, I don't give a whatever you were screaming out. I don't care. Just ignorant, ignorant move on your end. You're already getting smacked. Go ahead. This is, this is a come on, man-type moment. But that, that's the only thing that really blew my mind this week as far as an individual. It's just crazy. All right.
3: Like I said, there's a bunch of good games. Check out all the latest updates, Peyton's recruiting news. He's been on fire here lately. Um, fire. www.ecbpodcast10.com is where you're going to find everything you need from us. Keep ch- chatting in the Facebook groups, doing the game threads. You guys are doing wonderful. Like I said, here in two weeks, the weekly pick are back, so make sure you're getting ready for that. And with that said, wrapping up episode number 44. I'm Josh Burton, Miss New Cooter.
1: Oh Derek Smith, 44.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we will catch you next week. See you then? Boom! Boom.